We've got a special treat for you this morning. Um, he's spoken a few times now, so he's kind of just part of the fam, literally for me, because he's my brother-in-law. But um, I, I want you to just join me in welcoming my brother-in-law, Brent Pearson, to the platform to share the word with us this morning. Good morning, Pathway. How are we doing? Hallelujah. It's so good to see you. So excited to be here on this 4th of July, and I am going to echo what Pastor Mark also said. I believe that this is a prophetic moment for the 4th of July to fall on a Sunday, and for you and I to be here together. I want to make the most of these moments, amen? These are precious moments where we have to be together, where we have the opportunity to bring our faith together as one, and I want to declare that this is a day of freedom, amen? This is a day of liberty, and I believe that what you hear today has the potential, not because I'm speaking them per se, but because they're the eternal, holy word of God to make all the difference in your life, amen? And so I want to just delve into the message today. And I just want to warn you guys back there in the tech booth, I might deviate from my notes a little bit. It, it might happen. It has been known to happen with me. So uh, I just want to endeavor to be led by the Spirit of God. So if you have a Bible or something that you'd like to, uh, to click on there, I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 5, please, to the fifth chapter of Mark. And Basically, the sermon, the, the title of my sermon today really is the Declaration of Independence. So as you begin to speak, Pastor Mark, I know that's right in line with what God is saying. The Declaration of Independence, talking about the subject of the law of confession. Now, Pastor Marty has been in a, in a uh, series we've talked about and heard him preach uh, in only the style that he can uh, so good on the law of faith. He's talked about the law of grace. Uh, he's also spoken about the law of sowing and reaping. And I want to come right behind that in, in right in that same line with the law of confession. The law of confession. There is a divine spiritual law of confession that you and I need to, get, to tap into. And if you'll get a hold of it, and we're going to pray here in just a moment, it, it can and will change your life. So Mark chapter 5, as we talk about the law of confession, particularly I felt the Spirit of God uh, place upon my heart that we want, want, want to emphasize this subject when it comes to healing. Amen? Divine healing. I believe that there are those that are here, those that will be listening uh, at some point that need to hear these words. And so I want, to, uh, I want to just drive these home to you today in the time that we have. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it's a story of a woman who, it says, there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things of many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. It says in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or 
This word in the Greek means power. Some translations say specifically healing power had gone out of him. He turned him about in the press and he said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be made whole of your plague. I want to talk to you this morning, as I said, about the Declaration of Independence and the Law of Confession. Father, we thank you for your precious, holy, written word today. Lord, I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice, whether they're here in the building or those that are watching online. I pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Father, I pray that you would give unto us, each and every one, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, illuminated, flooded with light from heaven. Father, I believe that as the word of God goes forth today, that there will be hearts that are opened and enlightened. Lord, that there will come revelation. There will come truth that sets us free. Lord, you said we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. Lord, I thank you for this day of independence. I thank you for this day of freedom. I thank you, Lord. We declare it in the spirit realm. Let freedom ring today. Let it be so. We praise you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Looking back again at the text that we read here in Mark chapter 5, there was a woman, it says, that she had been suffering with a sickness for 12 years. So you could say it this way, this woman had been literally in bondage. She was a woman who had suffered. It says she had, uh, had actually given herself over to uh, the doctors of the day. And though she had put her trust in that, she had spent everything that she had, she didn't get any better. It actually says she began to get worse. In verse 27, it says, but when she heard of Jesus, amen, I mean, you know, that makes all the difference. She heard something. In order to begin to make changes in your life, the first thing that you need to do is you begin to hear something different, amen? If you've got one thing going in your ear at all times, then it's going to produce something that's negative on the other side of it, amen? She had heard many things, but she had never heard of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 27 says, when she had heard of Jesus, she came, and I like this phrase, it says, in the press. I'm just reading out of the old King James Version at the moment. But she came in the crowd. She came amongst a group of people, a multitude of people that were pushing in and pressing in on Jesus. And if they're pressing in on him, they were all touching him. There was a lot of people that were touching Jesus. And this woman, it says, when she heard of him, she came in the middle of that stuff. She came right up in the middle of that. And she touched his garment or his prayer shawl, the, the tallit that he had on. Verse 28 says, for she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So there's two things that I want to draw attention to from this text, and that's in verse 28 where it says, she said, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And then in verse 30, 
It says, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him. Amen? So it was what she said, and it was his power. Amen? His healing power that began to flow. What was it that caused the power of God to flow out of Jesus into this woman and bring healing? What was it? Jesus actually reveals it to us in verse 34. It says uh, that he looked at this woman after she came and fell down and told him all the truth. Jesus looked at the woman and said, daughter, he said, your faith has made you whole. Amen? Your faith has made you whole. Jesus could have drawn the attention to anything. He could have said, it was my power that did it. He could have said, this is because I'm the son of God. That's the reason that you've been made whole. He could have said, because you're such a great woman and because you've got morals and because you're a daughter of Abraham. He could have said many things, but he didn't say any of those things. What he did say was, he said, daughter, what? Your faith has made you whole. How many of you know, if her faith made her whole, then your faith can make you whole? Can you say amen? Amen. The good news is, is that if you have a need in your life today, if you have a, a, a particular condition, and, and, and this may not be just for you today, it may be for somebody that you know, amen? But I really believe that there are those that are here who need to hear this today, and we're going to learn from this example. We're going to learn from this testimony. What happened to this woman? How did this woman receive this miracle? How many of you want to know? I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I like to delve into it. I like to dig into it. And that's what we're going to do. Because Jesus looks and he says, daughter, it was your faith that made you whole. Amen? It was what, it was what you believed. It was what you, you, you demonstrated something here that caused this miracle to happen. Because there was not just one woman in the crowd that day. There was a multitude of people there. Amen? There was a lot of people that were there, and they were all touching Jesus. That's why the, the Holy Spirit actually draws attention to the fact on more than one place here that there was a crowd of people, and they were all touching him. Can you see it? I want you to get the visual picture. They were all pressing in. They were. What were they trying to do? There was something about Jesus that caused a crowd of people. I mean, just imagine if... If I had about, you know, 50 people up here on this stage this morning and they were all just pressing in and they're all reaching, they're just trying to reach in like, you know, you get the rock star who everyone's screaming and they're all trying to just reach out and, you know, something, right? Jesus has this crowd and then in the middle of this, there's this little woman that had been suffering for 12 years. And when she heard of Jesus, she did something different than what the rest of the people in the crowd did that day. What was it that she did? It wasn't something complicated. It wasn't something that was difficult. It just simply says in verse 7, 27, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched. Now, at that point, she hadn't really done anything different than anybody else. But what she did that was different in verse 28 was, it says that for she said, or actually in the Greek, it's a progressive uh, present tense verb. It says she said, and she kept on saying, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Come on, I want you to just hear. She said it, and she kept on saying, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. She did something 
that the other people in the crowd did not do. They came and they touched, may have been a touch of curiosity, right? It may have been a touch of hope, and hope is good. If you study the scriptures carefully, hope is connected to faith. And there's many things that are connected to faith to make faith to work, if you want to put it that way. There's things, there's spiritual laws that you and I have to bring ourselves into alignment in order to see results. How many of you are interested in results? I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want to see results, right? Amen? I'm not in uh, the habit of praying prayers that are just throwing them up in the air and hoping something will stick. Are you with me? But you can pray specifically, and you can pray strategically, and you can actually make declarations that will change the course of your life and the life of your family. Amen? I want, to, I want you to get a hold of this, because the Bible says that she said something, and when she said something, and she did what she said, the Bible specifically reveals in verse 30, Jesus, when she did this, he felt and perceived that power flowed out of him. Amen? Notice Jesus didn't pray for her. Notice Jesus didn't actually, in fact, if you read the, the entire chapter, uh, if you back up to verse 19, Jesus had dealt with a man who was completely demonized over across the lake. He had come across the lake. He'd had an encounter with a uh, ruler of a synagogue named Jairus. And then this woman comes. It, actually, he's on his way to minister to somebody else. And she comes up behind him and she gets healed of something that she had been suffering with for 12 years. And, and, and Jesus doesn't say anything until he gets down to verse 30 where he says, who touched my clothes? So Jesus is not initiating this healing. Jesus actually really almost had nothing to do with it. This was something that the woman did. She heard of Jesus, and when she heard of Jesus, hope began to arise. How many of you hope is such a good thing? The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Amen. So hope is connected, but that will alone in and of itself is not going to get the miracle. Amen. What did get the miracle? She heard something and then she began to say something. And when she made that connection based on not what somebody else said, it was on what she said. Now, I want to just stop right there for a minute because isn't it good news that the miracle that you and I need in our, in our lives today, it's not connected to what somebody else has said, per se. Amen? Now, that can make a difference, and I'm going to talk on the, touch on that here in a moment, the Lord willing. But primarily, it's connected to what you say. Amen? Not only what you say, but what you believe. So, her miracle was connected to what she said it had to do with her words. And so the Bible has a lot to say about words. Amen. It has a lot to say about words, especially in connection with healing. Now, I want to just share some scriptures. Can we just look at a few scriptures that talk about the power and the significance of words? Everybody say words. If you, if you minimize the significance of words, you're going to miss a major revelation of the Bible. Amen. In fact, the Bible is called what? The word 
of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, then this is really where the, the very beginning of faith starts and the exercise of it in mind in your life. In verses uh, 9 and 10 in Romans chapter 10, it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen? Now, I want you to understand that a lot of times, if you, if you were raised the way that I was raised, this is one of those scriptures that people say at altar calls. This is one of those scriptures that pastors and preachers give when they're making an appeal for someone to receive Christ for the first time. But I want you to understand, this is not a verse that is for altar calls. You understand? Paul was not inspired by the Spirit of God. Write this so that a preacher can have something to say at the end of a service and give an altar call for somebody to be saved. This is talking about some uh, something that we're supposed to live by. And I heard, actually, my spiritual father in the faith, uh, uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, I was uh, trained uh, under him in his in Bible school years ago, and he made this statement, and he was probably one of the greatest teachers on faith of the 20th century, uh, he said, if you want to become strong in faith, you need to make a normal, regular declaration of the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Amen? You want to be strong in faith. This isn't something that's just done initially one time in your life. This is something that should be done continually in your life. Amen? Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Amen? I want you to say it out loud with me. Say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And you may be here and say, well, I've never done that before. Well, that's good news. You can today, amen? And it won't be just something that you would do initially or one time, but it can be something that you do continually, amen? You want to get strong in faith, begin to make that your confession because the scripture says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, amen? See, see, here's the thing. Here's the problem, Pastor Mark. And I know that uh, Pastor Marty would probably feel the same way. If you were raised a certain way like I was, sometimes it is difficult when you've heard scriptures like the ones we're sharing this morning over and over and over and over again. They get locked into a certain traditional, almost religious setting that it's difficult to pull it out of that setting and put it over into another place and go, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to just say that whenever I first give my life to Christ. I'm supposed to actually live this way. I'm supposed to say this continually. Glory to God. I mean, I got a hold of this just a few days ago. In the past three days, I've been going around saying, praise God, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Amen. As simple as that is, it's powerful. Amen. And it releases something in the spirit realm. Now, uh, along this line, it says here in verse nine, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. Amen. Now this word saved in the Greek is the word sozo or S-O-Z-O. It says for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation, soteria. These are words that mean more than just 
saved as in forgiven of your sins only. And I'm not minimizing that in any way. But what we're talking about is, is the, the woman with the issue of blood, the, the, the reason that she was healed, Jesus said, daughter, it was your faith that made you whole. And you can see clearly in that setting with the woman that when she said over and over again, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole, what she said was her faith speaking, amen? What she said was her faith in action, amen? Because in order to have faith that works, now Pastor Marty mentioned, he preached uh, the first uh, installment of this series on the law of faith. The reason that confession is so powerful is because faith is that which pleases God. I mean, how do you know without faith, Hebrews eleven six 6 is without faith, it is impossible to please God, amen? So we have to have faith. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, the Bible says in First uh, John chapter five, it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, amen? But be, just because you have faith, doesn't mean that that in and of itself is going to bring you the liberty that we're talking about today. It's not necessarily going to bring you the independence or the freedom that God has actually purchased for each and every one of us because, watch this, confession of the Word of God, the confession, the words of your mouth is what will set the law of faith in motion. Amen? I want you to hear, I know there's a lot to take in and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to make this just as absolutely as simple as you can because you can go so many directions with this. The law of faith has to be set in motion somehow. And the way that the law of faith is set in motion is primarily through what you say and what you do or the actions that you take. But here, watch this. When you say something, you are taking action. You see that? Because then what am I supposed to do? Some people, and I can hear it almost in my spirit right now, there's those of you that maybe have been going through things and you've suffered things and, and you've wondered why are things the way that they are? Why does this seem to be going against me? Why do things seem to be against me and not for me? And so many times the answers that we're seeking are so close to us. You realize that sometimes the answer is so close. It's, it's, it's sometimes not more than a step or two away from where you are right now. Amen? The woman with the issue of blood, uh, she pressed through a crowd of people that were closer in proximity to Jesus than she was. They, were, they seemed to be closer to the answer than she was, but she did something that they didn't do. They just came and they just touched, like I said earlier, maybe it was just out of curiosity. Maybe they were just hoping. Maybe they were just wondering, well, I wonder if something will happen to me. Well, when you go, when you take that approach to the Lord, and like I said, there's so many things that we could say because we're talking about words. But you understand John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, amen? And the word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Amen? Full of grace and truth, it says. Jesus is and was the Word of God 
personified, amen? When she went, when she pressed through the crowd to touch that prayer shawl, that prayer shawl, you can go back to the book of Numbers and you can see where they laid out this, the details of the garment that the priest wore, that tallit, they've had the tassels at the bottom. When she pressed through the crowd, she was pressing in to touch the word of God, amen? Jesus is the word, Amen. And power, what? Flowed out of Jesus. You could say what? Power flows out of the word of God. Amen. Not out of this book. We're not emphasizing the leather and the paper. Amen. This book has no power to heal you, but it's the words of God. Jesus is the living word of God. And when you press into the word in faith, amen, power will flow. It's just like electricity. I'm not an electrician. can't tell you all the laws of electricity. I don't have to understand. Aren't you glad you don't have to understand all the laws of electricity to, to uh, enjoy the benefits of it? Amen. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand everything there is to know about how a car works, but I can get in it, turn it on and enjoy the benefits of it. Of air conditioning. Aren't you glad? Come on in the middle of the summer. Uh, you don't have to understand all, but you do know just in general that not everything conducts electricity. Amen. I'm sorry, but wood is not a good connector of electricity, huh? right? Certain things, you just can't worry. It's not, they're called insulators rather than something that's gonna cause the power to flow. But if you hook up the right material, amen, if you, if you put the right, the, the, the right metals, right? There's certain ones that are excellent conductors of electricity. I'm sure there are those of you that could tell me a lot more than what I know about it. But there again, if you look it up, you know, there's copper, there's actually gold, but actually the number one substance that I can find that actually conducts electricity is silver. It's like, I mean, what, 98% or something of it is, is the most excellent ins, uh, connector of electricity that causes it to flow. There's certain laws that, that cause that power to flow when you get the right things involved. And that's what this woman found. See, the word of God is, the Bible says again and again that we've been purified by the word of God. The word of God has been purified like silver seven times over. It's, it, there's a reference to the wisdom of God and to the nature of gold and of silver. But this woman said something, and when she made that connection, it was her faith that tapped into God's power, and it caused that power to flow right into her body, and it drove that sickness out, amen? So there's a connection between words and healing. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, with the heart, uh, man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. This word that says you will be saved, it's not this word sozo, it's not just forgiveness of sins, but it's an all-inclusive, redemptive word that takes in all of the names of God, even from the Old Testament. It means literally to be forgiven, it means to be delivered, it means to be saved set free. It means to be healed. Amen. Hallelujah. It means many things. So you could plug that in right here. If you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? Healed. Amen. Hallelujah. It applies here because God has already bought and paid for it in, in, in its entirety. Amen. Let me keep moving. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus speaking in verse 34 through 37, he was speaking to some of the religious people and uh, he uh, called them a brood of vipers. He said, how can you being evil speak good things? He was, he was, <laughs> he was dealing with a bunch here. So it says, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. 
A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that for every idle word that men shall speak, they will give account of in the day of judgment. Amen? Now, this isn't Moses speaking. This isn't David. This isn't Paul or even Peter, one of the apostles. This is Jesus. Amen? He says, in the day of judgment, he says, you'll give an account of every idle word that you speak. Verse 37 is very sobering. For by your, what? Words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. By your what? By your words, amen. Are words important? Huh? Do we need to become serious about our words? Amen. There's, there's so much to say here. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Watch your words and be careful what you say, and you'll be surprised at how few troubles you'll have. Isn't that interesting? Huh? Watch your words. Be careful what you say. Verse, um, th th that was the, the uh, Passion Translation. In the New King James Version, it says, whoever guards his mouth and uh, his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Amen? A little bit more revealing, amen? Because we could get into a teaching on spirit, soul, and body, but when it's speaking about your soul, we're talking about your mind. We're talking about your will, your emotions. There's another part of you that's affected also by what you say, amen? By the words that you speak. I like this in Acts chapter 11. Uh, this is, um, don't have time to read the whole story. I was gonna try to read more of it, but if you read like starting in verse five down through verse 14, uh, this is where uh, Peter had uh, come. He had been sent by the Lord to a man uh, there um, in that 11th chapter to his house, Cornelius's house. And he had seen an angel that had actually said uh, there was somebody that was gonna come and minister to them. And verse there, I'm just gonna read verse 13 and 14. It says, and he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you what? Words by which you and your household will be saved. What will, what will you hear? He said, he's gonna tell you words by which you and your household. Now, remember that word saved is the word sozo. So you could say it this way. He'll tell you words by which your household will be what? Healed, amen? Do you see it? There's a connection, guys, between your words and even your, your physical body. Now, Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 to 22, this is one of my favorite ones. This is something that's been a part of my life for many, many, many years now. I want you to look carefully at Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 to 22. He says, my son, attend or give attention to my, what? Words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. In the NLT translation, that verse 22 says, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body, amen? What did he say attend to? What did he say? He said, pay attention to my words, amen? Incline your ear to my sayings. And in connection with words and what you're saying, notice he starts talking about healing for your body. Do you see that? 
I want you to see it for yourself. He talks about words and God's sayings, keeping them in front of your eyes, letting them penetrate down into the depth of your spirit. And because of that, they will bring life to those that find them. And it says healing to your whole body. Amen. Your words will affect your physical body. Amen. Hallelujah. There's something that needs to be explored here. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word. This is talking about God. He sent his word and what? Healed them. Hallelujah. And delivered them from their destruction. The, 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 passion, passage, uh, the passion translation says, God spoke the words, be healed, and we were healed. Hallelujah delivered from death's doors. Now, <clears throat> I want you to go over, if you've got something, we'll probably put it on the uh, screen there, but Mark chapter 11, verse 20 to 22, we're going to get over into some of the classic words that Jesus said concerning faith, kind of working our way back to the woman with the issue of blood. But I want you to see today that it's very, very important of not just what you say with your mouth, but it has to do Confession and the law of confession, it really has at its very minimum two component parts that have to be put together. There's other things that affect your faith. I mean, there's many things that can affect your faith. If, if you walk in and harbor unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, how I many you know that's going to affect your faith? Amen? Walking in love toward other people is... Uh, one of the most powerful things that can affect your faith. The Bible says our faith, Galatians 5, 6 says, our faith works by love, amen? So there's many things, righteousness. If you don't have a good, strong sense of righteousness, that you and I have been made righteous. The New Testament is so revealing along the lines of um, who we are in Christ, our true identity, you know, not going to the world to seek our identity. I mean, you know, we don't let the world define who we are, amen? But we let our Heavenly Father define who we truly are. And it's, and it's contrasted in the New Testament between the old man and the new man. Actually, Paul, the apostle, he wrote about Adam more than any other writer of the entire Bible. He mentions Adam because Adam is the true reference to the old man, the old man, Adam, and then the new man or the last Adam, Christ. Amen? That the, 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 the humanity before Christ came, the only identification that they had was in Adam. He was the, he was the old man. He's the one who sinned. He's the one who had failed. And Romans chapter 5, verse 19 is absolutely one of my favorite scriptures. It says that for by one man's sin talking about Adam, many, or one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. It says, so also by one man's obedience, talking about Christ, many have been made righteous. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that. I know that wasn't in the notes, guys. Sorry, but it's just a freebie in there. Romans 5.19. It's awesome. It says, for by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners. They were made that way. Seems unfair, doesn't it? I was made a sinner because of one man's disobedience. How does that work? 
huh? Because it was passed on to all men. But see, even if you think, well, that's not fair that all that because of one man's disobedience, everyone was made a sinner. Well, the good news is, is also, so also by one man's obedience. Let that phrase just kind of echo in your spirit this morning. One man's obedience. Amen. I mean, I just wish I had a way to just make it echo throughout the entire place for about 10 minutes. Just one man's obedience. I've just been meditating on that for a few months now. One man's, say it out loud, one man's obedience. By one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Amen? And when you get that one component in place, what, we, what it will do for your faith is astounding. Amen? Because otherwise, you come to God and with a sense of condemnation. You come to Christ with a sense of unworthiness. You come to Christ, you try to pray prayers of faith. I mean, that, all of that will undermine your faith, amen? But at its simplest uh, equation, if you want to put it that way, faith is two primary things. It's, what you, it's not just what you say, it's what you believe and what you say, amen? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you will believe in your heart, and then what? Say it with your mouth. What do you believe this morning? Amen? What do you believe? I want you to just kind of ponder that for a minute. What do you believe? Mark chapter 11, verse 20 to 24, Jesus speaks these monumental words. To me, um, probably some of the most outstanding words that Jesus ever spoke on the subject of faith, probably the most revealing words that he ever spoke concerning faith. Uh, they are absolutely, uh, it's exciting, it's thrilling in so many ways. Jesus says to his disciples in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. Amen? So simple. And honestly, this is, I told Pastor Mark before the service started, I just, really, I have just a Bible lesson for you this morning. It's not a, an outstanding sermon. I'm not trying to thrill you. It's really just a Bible lesson about the law of confession, amen, of what you say. Jesus said, have faith in God. But how often do we as Christians foul that up? Because Jesus brings us right back to point to point center, right back to ground zero, because what? So many times we put our faith in what? We put our faith in people. We put our faith in doctors. We put our faith in medicine. We put our faith in our employer. Amen. We put our faith in our job. We put our faith in the size of our paycheck, whether it's too big or too small. We put our faith maybe in our friends, our relatives. We put our faith in so many things and it's, it's misplaced faith because Jesus just simply said, what, have faith? Where? Where does your faith go? Because so many claim to have faith. Oh, I've got all kinds of faith. Well, that may be true. But Jesus just said, what, have faith in God. Amen? Faith is a force that flows out of your spirit. Amen? It's a force. It's an unstoppable force. And the enemy knows that if he can misguide that faith, the enemy knows if he can get you to put your faith in something else. See, faith in something other than God, you know, faith is, like I said, it's a force, but faith that's in reverse is really called fear. Fear and faith are actually the same force that flow out of a person's 
innermost being. Because if you are fearful of something happening, you know, you're afraid of the of what will happen to your children. You're afraid of what's going to happen if you lose your job. You lose your job. You're afraid of what's happening in the government. If you're afraid of something, you're still believing something. You see that? You still believe in something. And so it's your faith being used against you. So Jesus just simply said what? Have faith in God, amen? The faith that God, see, God has given to us, Romans chapter 12, he has given to every man the measure of faith, amen? He's given that to you. That's why in the very beginning, initially, you begin to exercise your faith in what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved, amen? And then you make that a continual lifestyle. But Jesus goes on to say in the next two verses concerning how to have faith in God, verse 23, he talks about your words. And then verse 24, he talks about prayer. So what does he say? Verse 23, Mark eleven twenty-three. 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what? Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Notice the Bible keeps talking about your heart. Amen? Does not doubt in his heart. Doesn't say does not doubt in his mind. There's a difference there. He says it's what you believe in your heart and does not doubt in his heart, but what? Believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Amen? Hallelujah. Have faith in God. And there may be those of you that have heard this message. You maybe have heard this like me over and over and over again. But there may be those that are hearing this for the first time. Amen? And even if you have heard it before, you need to hear it again. Amen? Because Jesus said, have faith in God for whoever. See, he's talking about a spiritual law here. He's talking about the law of faith, and he's talking about the law of confession, because confession is what sets the law of faith, what did we say earlier? In motion, amen? One of the most powerful teachers that I've ever heard, he's gone on to be, in, uh, he's gone on to heaven now, his name was uh, Brother Charles Caps. He taught on faith for years and years. He made this statement, he was an old, he was a farmer for 30 years and he was in defeat and in poverty and everything's just going against him in life and then he got a hold of the word of God, he got a hold of the word of faith, going to turn his life around. But he was also a pilot, and he began to study about seed time and harvest. He understood it from years of agriculture. And uh, as a pilot, he began to look at the laws that govern aviation and flight. And he said this about confession. He said that, he said, confession, now pay close attention. He said, confession is to your faith what thrust is to an airplane. Amen? If you understand, there's like four laws to flight. There's, what is it? Weight, drag, lift, and thrust. Amen? So you can have an airplane, right, and have all the components that you need to have flight. You could have the airplane. You could have the engine. You could have fuel in it. It could be sitting out on the tarmac. The engine can even be running, but until you give that engine that power supply thrust, amen? There's never going to be any lift that's going to cause the go over the wing and give that airplane flight. It could just sit there grounded 
never moving as far as getting off the ground at all, because why? One of the primary components of flight is you have to have thrust. And he said, con- he said, confession is to faith what thrust is to flight. Amen. When we say it, when we begin to say it, what did the woman with the issue of blood do? She said it over and over and over. What if I can just touch his clothes, what's going to happen? I will be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And when, when she did, power flowed, and Jesus comes along and says, what? Daughter, your faith. What? Just what she said only? No, it's what she believed and what she said. Amen? So the question is, what do you believe? Huh? Because if you, if you ask people this question, Pastor Mark, I mean, you've been around ministry for years. I mean... You get people who come to altar calls and you get people that you get the chance to pray with and you just ask them, what do you believe? Well, people will tell you all kinds of things that they believe. Well, I believe that God is good. Well, that's good, but unfortunately, guess what? That's not gonna work when it comes to things like this. I believe that the Bible's true, that's good, but that's not what he said to believe. What am I getting at? You think, what are you talking about? Look carefully at verse 23. Jesus said, for surely or truly, truly or assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, watch this next phrase, but what? Believes, see, stop right there. He's about to tell you what to believe, right? He's about to tell you what to believe. What am I supposed to believe? He says, but believes that those things which he says King James says, will come to pass. Others will say they believe they'll happen or they'll be done. Amen? Believes that those things that they say will be done, Jesus says, he will have whatever he says. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 24, prayer. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, what's the next word? Believe. Say it out loud. Believe. Believe what? That you receive them and you shall have them. So verse 22 to 24, Jesus says, have faith in God. And then he breaks out faith in God into two primary areas. That's in what you say in verse 23 and then what you pray in verse 24. And in both of those verses, he tells you exactly what to believe. What do you believe? Amen? What do you believe? Well, I believe that, you know, my pastor is a good pastor, and he is. Praise God for a good pastor. I believe that my church, you know, I believe that if I can get enough people to pray, then I'll get the answer. Uh -uh. When it comes to what you say, folks, the simple belief that God says, he says what? Believe that what you say will come to pass. Believe that what you say. Say it out loud. I can have what I say. Do you really believe that? That's what Jesus said to believe. Say, I can, I can have whatever I say. Yeah, you can have what you say. I got a hold of this truth probably 28, almost 30 years ago, and I'm still endeavoring to press into it and grow my faith in this area. But if you want to know one of the greatest areas to grow your faith in, develop a strong foundation of the reality that you can have what you say. Amen. Who said that? Who said that? Who? Who told us that you can have what you say? Jesus. Amen. You can have what you say, church. 
Whatever it is you believe in your heart, if you want to, if you want to uh, say whatever it is, well, I want to say whatever it is I want to say. Well, you can do that, but you're going to forfeit putting the law of faith into motion, amen? So there's other scriptures that I have written down, but I'm going to bring this to a close. I'm already over. But as I was sitting over here a moment ago and we were worshiping, I, uh, I felt the Lord really begin to prompt me in this direction. And, you know, there's many times in life that we have, and I know I have, neglected to say the right things. Right? Sometimes it's not even a matter of just saying the wrong things. Maybe it's just a matter of neglecting to say what God has said. Because what we have to do is we have to begin to say what God has said concerning us. Amen. Words are so powerful. I hope that you've seen that. I, I've done my best to show you just simplistically the ABCs of the laws of faith and confession of how we set things in motion. When we declare something, Pastor Marty preached on the law of sowing and reaping last week. He preached on the law of seed time and harvest. And do you understand that what you say, watch this, a word is a seed, you go over into 1 Peter, it talks about receive the, well, James says receive the engrafted word, but he talks about the incorruptible seed of the word of God. God's word is referred to as a seed. And if you really want to understand the power and the potential of a word, look at the power and the potential of a seed. Amen. I think Pastor Marty used that reference about an apple. You know, it's really not, somebody said that years ago, it's really not how many seeds are inside of an apple, it's how many apples are inside of a seed, right? A word is a seed. When you say something, you plant something. When you say something, you sow something. And when you, when you declare it out of your mouth enough, you understand, you set spiritual laws into motion. There's things that are happening in people's lives right now. See, I believe firmly that we are today what we said and believed yesterday. What has been said out of your own mouth concerning you or your children or your family? See, it, it's really not a matter of me. I can't come into your life and impose my faith in your life because you have spiritual authority, right? I can agree with you. I can bring my faith into connection with you, but primarily it's what you believe. It's what you say, amen? But sometimes we fall victim to things that other people have said simply because they said something, they believed it, and we didn't say anything at all. I heard an example just recently of somebody they were dealing with, you know, like customers or whatever it was. And I mean, somebody came in and they were all like, you know, up in arms and mad about something. And, you know, the guy was like, he, he didn't get treated right or something. And he was like, well, he's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I told my wife before I came down here, this was going to happen. And he just blah, 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 blah. And it just, the whole situation was negative. And I thought, wow, you know, that person said something. And, and people say stuff strong too. I told my wife this is going to happen. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Because what? They set a spiritual law in motion. You know, you can come against those things. You know, you can break those things. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I want us to, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. 
And uh, if I neglected to say earlier, thank you so much for letting me come and minister to you this morning. I consider it the utmost privilege and honor. Thank you to Pastor Marty. Thank you to Pastor Mark and Elena, those of you that have allowed me to come. I mean, I consider myself sometimes of the least of these that is qualified to stand and minister on certain things. But this is one area and one particular subject that I have endeavored to give myself to for many, many, many years. I saw the truth of it early on and I thought, wow, I want to develop a strong faith in just this one area. I can have what I say. Because if you get that right, you can get everything else right. Some people who need healing in their bodies, they try to believe for the healing. Watch this, just listen carefully. You need a miracle, something that doctors may look at you and say, it's impossible. Or you've, 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 you've given in to a thought that, that I've had this condition so long, it could never change. And you try your best with your faith to reach out and believe for something that is, it seems so far out of your reach. And because of that, it, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's out of my reach. I can't have it. When you don't really have to focus on having that miracle that seems so difficult, if you can just believe that what you say comes to pass. See, Jesus didn't say, believe that the terminal cancer is gonna disappear. He didn't say, believe that that impossible situation was gonna be cured. He didn't say, believe that. He just simply said, if you'll believe what? That what you say will come to pass. You see that? Uh, do you really see what I'm saying? It's, it's like a fine line there. Because, oh, I've been trying to get the miracle. He didn't say to try to get the miracle. He didn't say to try to believe for the, the money that seems like it'll never come. He didn't say to try to believe for the job that, you know, the enemy will come and say, you can't have that job. You couldn't have, you could never live like that. You could never have that level of success in your life. You don't have to believe for those things that seem impossible to you. All you have to do is believe what Jesus said to believe. And he said what? Believe that what you say will come to pass. Believe when you pray, believe that you receive them, which just simply means believe you take them and you shall have them. Do you see it? Some of you have listened to words that don't bring life. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. You've listened to lies and you've given in to the enemy, whispering things into your ear but you can break those words, amen? Romans chapter eight, verse two, I'm ending on this. Romans chapter eight, verse two says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death, amen? Just like the law of lift will set you free from the law of gravity, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free. You can speak words of life right now and break the chains. Come on, everybody just close your eyes. Just lift up a hand toward heaven if you're comfortable. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we decree Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Come on, everybody say it out loud. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And right now in the name of Jesus, I come against every word of death that has been spoken over your life. I come against and bring myself into agreement. Now you do it too, right where you're at. 
Anybody that's listened to the lies of the enemy, you've listened to those lies, the enemy will put those things on a loop in your mind and they'll go over and over and you'll listen to the fear and you'll listen to the deception. We break that deception right now in the name of Jesus. I break that curse. I come against that law of sin and death and with the law of the spirit of life, I speak life to your family. I speak life to your finances. I speak life to your health and to your healing. I speak life to your relationships in the name of Jesus. I command and decree and I declare, be healed today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Can you give God some praise? Hallelujah, come on. This is truly a day of the declaration of independence. Are you with me? We decree it and we declare it in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, we wanna thank you guys for coming today. Thank you for being here. We want to wish you a happy 4th of July. Be safe today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for letting me come.